Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning. I begin with a quote from one of the books published that contains the uh, collection writings of our founder, Ernest Holmes. This one comes from Living Science of Mind. There is a great need in the world, the world that somewhere along the line has lost its vision of God. We have gone on our own too long. We have separated ourselves from the source of our being. We're like persons lost in a fog. The one great resolution we can make today as we turn from the mistakes of the past and look to the future with hope is that we will find God. We must deal with people and with events. Since our lives are spent with others, how can we expect to find God outside its own creation? How can we expect to realize God in the emptiness of space if we have refused to see God in those that we meet? And how can we find God in those that we meet and in the events that have transpired around us unless we have first discovered God at the center of our own being? We can't. The starting point is always at the center of our own being because God is right where you are. All month, this month, in most of the uh, centers for spiritual living centers all across the world, uh, we are back to basics, which means that we review the first four chapters of the Science of Mind textbook, which for some of us is awesome. For others, it's yikes. And, and here, I like to haul this out because it freaks people out. <laughs> it's... <laughs> So this is a Science of Mind textbook, and we get to just kind of revel in that for the entire month. And last Sunday, Larry introduced, kicked it off with the topic of the thing itself, talking about the idea, the belief that there is one thing that is everything, so that there is one creator that is its own creation, and that that means everything, that there's nothing apart from that, nothing left out of it, like Star said, that's everything that there is. And he also talked about the omnis, everywhere present, all-knowing, power, yes, all-powerful, all those omnis, omniscient, omnipresent, omniscient, yes, all those things. Um, that it is basically everything that there is, all the wisdom, all the intelligence, all the power, and it's the only of all those things. And he then went into the idea that we can call it whatever we want. Um, because again, like Star said, it doesn't care what we call it. And the idea behind coming up with something to call it is so that we have a relationship with it. And that can be different for everybody. For some people, um, the term God is a very loaded term and people go, ah, they don't want to use that. Well, then we don't. Um, do whatever it takes to get you to be able to have an experience of this thing in your own heart so that you can begin to feel, again, it's establishing a relationship with it. And so we do whatever it takes to get there. And again, what works for one person might not work for another person, and that's okay, it's personal. It's very personal. 
And today I am talking about the way that it works. And very simply, the answer is always. It works always, all the time, everywhere, no exceptions. It always works. And it works via the creative process, which means that um, um, God's thought moved upon itself, and as a result of that, all of creation is born. And that is how it works, via the creative process. And we do it the same way. So that the same technology that creates universes and galaxies and stars and planets and such um, creates life itself as we know it and life as we may not know it. That's how we create our lives in exactly the same way. So that we have the same technology um, that creates everything. We replicate that. And we do that with our thought and with our belief. And... This all works through us. God works, how God works is through us, which means that we have to be receptive to it because we have this thing called free will, which means that we don't have to if we don't want to. And sometimes that can get in our way because we can start to forget who we are and what we are. So God works through us to the extent that we allow that to take place. Does that make sense? So again, we have this technology already. It already exists in us as us. That's what, got us. that's what got us all here today. So then, what's our part in all of this? If there is one thing that is everything, and if that means us, and if that is how uh, life is created, and this thing works through us, then what is our part? Our part is to be open to it. Our part is to turn toward it and be able to let that, to allow that to come in. And just as God meets us wherever we are, that's where we need to start with ourselves, is to start, just start where we are, because where else are we going to start, right? Start where we are, and then go from there. So this sounds really cool so far, right? If there's only one thing that's everything, and that it is uh, without limits, all-powerful, all-knowing, um, and it works through us, then how come our lives don't always turn out the way we want them to? How come uh, sometimes our lives are, appear to be messy? The reason is um, us. <laughs> because of our receptivity, because of what we are telling ourselves, because of what our thoughts and beliefs are. And so it would seem to me that we need to start with exploring this idea of something that is everything and exploring the idea, kind of meeting, meeting that idea of what our lives might look like, given all that. Compare that with what our lives do look like right now and try to figure out what's going on there. And so we do a personal inventory. And part of that is looking, it's like a picnic basket um, where you just unpack it and go through and see what's there. Because some of it might not belong there anymore. Uh, maybe some of it never did. Because part of the thing that happens that affects our receptivity is that we are, spend a lot of time and energy living back here when life is happening 
right here. But we tend to bring a lot of stuff with us from the past. And the thing about the past is it only lives if we allow it to. It only lives if we bring it with us. Other than that, yesterday is yesterday and today is today, right? But how many of us honestly, and we don't need to raise our hands, but how many of us honestly, <laughs> honestly, really truly spend a real lot of time going over things that are already done? Which on the surface of it would seem useless because what can we do about it now? Nothing. We can do nothing about it now. However, that can, can, can contain some useful information. So what I'm suggesting, what I'm inviting us to do is do an inventory that is not so much reliving the past as it is looking at what we are carrying with us today. Because some of it we might not need. Maybe much of it we might not need. But we will never know if it goes unpacked, if it goes unexamined. It affects our vision. Because to the extent that we have our past with us, it's like putting on glasses and we see everything through that lens. Everything. And if we spend a lot of time and a lot of years doing that, we might be unaware that we're doing that. So we need to stop and we need to look and see. You know, what are we using? What are we using to see through with, as? It's like shutting your eyes. Shutting, my, one of my little brothers did this one time. I'll never forget it. We grew up on a farm in rural southern Oregon, and there were seven of us. He was somewhere in the middle. And we used to go to, this, to the Harmons, and they had a big pasture. And in the middle of the pasture, I can't believe we did this, because it was just kind of an irrigation pond. You know, it wasn't lined or anything. It was just all ooky. Yeah, exactly. It was gross. But we were little kids, and we didn't know the difference. So we, we swam in there. Surprised we survived. Anyway, one day, Harmons also had their sheep, and they kept their sheep in this in the same pasture. And one day, I look over, and there's my then little brother, Dale, just running pell-mell across, being chased by a sheep with his eyes closed. The assumption being that if he couldn't see the sheep, the sheep couldn't see him. <laughs> and so I wonder if sometimes we aren't doing that in a way. Sometimes I think that we stand with our eyes closed and then we complain because it's dark and we can't see anything. We have to open our eyes. Just because we can't see doesn't mean there isn't anything there. It just means we can't see. It's just like walking up to a wall and putting your nose against the wall, and then that becomes your whole world. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think sometimes in a way that we do that. You know, we do that. And see, again, and I know I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again after this too, but we create our life experience by what we bring with us, by what we think, and by what we believe. And that's like looking at the same spot all the time. And then after a while, that spot becomes the whole thing. And we forget that there's all this other stuff here because we're just looking, we're just looking like this. Do you know what I mean? We can do that. The thing is that 
since we created what we've got now, that's awesome. And we did really well at that. I know I have. I've just done a bang-up job. The good news is then that we know we can do it, right? Because we're already doing it. We're already doing it. So that means that we have the technology to create whatever it is that we want. But we have to get, turn the automatic pilot off, look at what we're doing, remember that we have the technology to do it differently, and then just do that. But before we can do any of that, we have to, we have to figure out where we are. So we have a starting point. Newsflash, yesterday's gone. It's over. It's done. That's it. I went to a seminar once years and years ago, and the speaker, one of the things he did was he said, uh, he says, if you can go back and, and, you know, how many of you, if you could go back and change something, how many of you would do that? And everybody in, in the room raised their hands. And then he said, you can't. There was a little, you could feel the glimmer of hope there for a second. It just just died. This is from Living Science of Mind, and I paraphrased it and added stuff and took stuff out or whatever. And Living Science of Mind, if those of you who have it will know what I'm talking about, it's a little less daunting than this and a lot more accessible, a lot more accessible. And again, it's one of those books, I think, among many that uh, Ernest Holmes wrote uh, decades after he passed away which is a miracle, but they, they, they keep, seriously, because I have every book to my knowledge that he, that he has ever written, and they keep coming out with new ones, and it's like, wow. <clears throat> so this is from, based on a writing from Living Science of Mind. Today is the only day in which we live. Yesterday has forever passed. The change we need to make within ourselves must be made today. We live each day as though it were complete and perfect within itself. How astonishing would that be? That every single day we live as if that, as if it was perfect. As if everything we needed was there right then. We have to live each day as though all the love, the joy, the abundance of the universe were ours now. We have to live each day as though all the love, the joy, the abundance we ever expect to experience is ours now. We are all human. We have all made mistakes. The starting point for creating a better future for ourselves is to deliberately free our minds from the mistakes of yesterday. They no longer need to be held against us. They no longer need to be a liability. And that is one of those things, again, the only reason that it would be held against us, the only reason it would be a liability is if we brought it with us. Too often our minds are so burdened because of what happened yesterday or last year or some when, we cannot go back over the past and make adjustments. Today is the only day that we can change anything. Today is the day we can become receptive to the all good that is. Today is the day we can partner with God to create the lives 
that we actually want to live. And wouldn't that be something again? To be in lives that we actually have passion and enthusiasm and excitement about. That we're just happy to be here. So, that sounds easy, right? <laughs> so what is ours to do then? How do we do that? How do we begin? The first place that we begin is right where we are. And then we start unpacking that basket that we bring with us everywhere, and we see what's in there. Without recrimination, without judgment, without accusation, without wondering who the blankety-blank person is who told us that, none of that. You just dispassionately go through and look at it and see what's, what's up. See what you want to keep and what you don't. And the stuff that you don't keep, you just set it aside. You're done. That's it. You don't have to beat yourself up over it. You don't have to, again, trace, try to trace it back to its horrific origins and find out where. No, it's your basket now. You can claim it. It's yours. So it's up to you what you put in it, and it's up to you what you want to carry. And so that's the place to start. And part of that process, again, <clears throat> what's in that basket is, is uh, what you spend a lot of your time focusing your attention on, um, what you think about most of the time, uh, the thoughts that are running all the time, uh, the beliefs that you have that maybe you just have because they've always been there. Maybe they don't belong there anymore. But this is a time really when, because we need to create the space for, for that magnificence, for that brilliance, for that newness. We have to make room for it. That's how we, we become receptive. And we can't be receptive if we already know it all and it's all full. Because there's just no place for anything to get in. And the thing about receptivity, when I talk about it in this way, is it's important to remember that th there is a corresponding something within each of us. It's almost like, it's almost magnetic. That we will be met there by the truth of us, by um, the, the higher self, how, whatever you want to call it. But there is something that, uh, to me, my experience is it feels like there is something that is waiting for me, that is waiting for me to show up, that is waiting for me to walk through the door, and that I will be met there. That is my felt experience of it. It's being in the best partnership ever. So that no matter what is going on in my life, no matter what I am dealing with, that I am never by myself. That there is always that within me um, that feels, just feels like it's just always there. Just always there. And I believe that we all have that. We have to train ourselves to be receptive to it. But that is the truth of us. Because it's important, I think, to remember um, that if we can't, cannot find God, who moved? <laughs> it's, where, it's what we're looking at. It's where we're looking. Sometimes we just need to back up so we can see the whole room. 
do what my little nephew Silas used to. Every morning he'd wake up, he'd say, yay, it's today. <laughs> right? Because for him, every day was a brand new day. Well, here's what. He's, every day is a brand new day. But sometimes it doesn't feel like that if we're carting a bunch of crap around, right? We are carting it. Let go. We can let go, maybe grab a bite, have a drink, sit down and go through it and see what's up. We have nothing to lose, right? Nothing to lose. So how does that sound? Piece of cake, right? <laughs> Piece of cake. Get help with it. Get help with it. Uh, work with someone. Work, have a friend um, that you kind of go over stuff with. Um, work with a practitioner. Take some classes. Um, do anything and everything that you need to do in order to learn to be more receptive to the good that is God, that is you, that surrounds us all, all of us, all the time. We just have to turn the light on. Just have to turn the light on. So I'm going to close with a reading from, I'm going to hold it up again because it's just so fun, from, <laughs> from the Science of Mind textbook. And it's um, in the back of the book, and not just this leather-bound one, but all of them, in the textbook in the back, uh, there are meditations uh, written by our founder, Ernest Holmes. And some of them, well, all of them are lovely. Some of them are just stunning. Um, and they do contain a lot of these and thous and such and hasts and so on um, because that's how they talked back then. This one is called I Am Complete in Thee. So I invite you to close your eyes if you wish to do that. I'm going to read this and then close with a prayer. Almighty God, everlasting good, eternal spirit, maker of all things and keeper of my life. Thou art all, infinite presence within, in whom all live, joy supreme, flooding all with gladness, I adore thee. Eternal peace, undisturbed, quiet, I feel the calm. O thou who dost inhabit eternity and dost dwell within all creation, live through all things, in all people, hear my prayer. I would enter the gates with joy and live at peace in your house. I would find a resting place in thee and in thy presence live. Make me do thy will and from thy wisdom teach me the ways of truth. Compel me to follow thee, and let me not pursue the paths of my own counsel. O eternal and blessed presence, illumine my mind and command my will, that my soul may be refreshed, that my life may be renewed. As deep cries unto deep, so my thought cries unto thee, and thou dost answer. I am renewed and refreshed. My whole being responds to your love. I am complete. All my ways are guarded and guided, and I shall live with thee eternally. O lover of my soul, keeper of my spirit, none can separate us, for we are one. So shall thy wisdom guide me, thy presence dwell within me, thy love keep me, 
and thy life envelop me now and forevermore. And in this place of openness and receptivity, I continue to acknowledge the presence of this divine one in, through, and as all of creation itself. I know that means me. I know it means everyone in this room, indeed everyone on this planet, who has ever been or will ever be. All expressions of this one divinity, this one perfection, this one love. And so I speak this word foreign about everyone in this room now, claiming a willingness to stop, take a breath, to listen, to look, knowing that we are supported every step of the way in our own unfoldment knowing that we receive and are open to divine guidance as we lay down what no longer serves, creating the space for newness and excitement and love and more love and more love to show up in our lives as our lives. I claim that each one of us here has the technology to recreate ourselves at any and every given moment and become fully present for every moment of our life here on this earth plane, that we are always loved, always supported in doing so. And I'm grateful to know this. I'm grateful to know that God is all there is, and that means every single one of us. I release this word knowing it's done. I let it be. And so it is. So it is. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.